Uh, we're going to be in Matthew 13 today, Matthew chapter 13, if you'd find your place there, Matthew chapter 13, and we'll stand in honor of God's word. Again, it is really good. I, I'm not just saying that I have it because we, we really try to make an effort uh, to be sincerely glad and friendly with our guest. <laughs> we want you to come back. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and we're really just glad that you are here. I mean, I mean that sincerely, just... Uh, because, uh, it, I mean, really the bottom line is that we know what God has done in our life, and I sure would like for Him to do it in every life, and He can do it in every life if you're open to it. So that's, that's the number one reason we're really glad that guests are here. And, and, um, and so we're sure glad about that, of course. I just uh, had the privilege to teach in Brother Raspberry's absence. He's on a trip uh, during spring break here to New York City. We teach an inner city uh, church planting class, so he's a part of that. But I just had the opportunity to teach the class we call Planted. It's a... Uh, discipleship class. And we had a wonderful time in there. Sure, thankful for the fact that God saved some adults. I'm glad he saves not just children, but he'll save an adult. And uh, so some of them have been saved maybe a good while, some just recently saved. So it's a blessing. I just wanted to give a good report on the class. And then uh, this morning, Brother Ted taught, uh, first of three, we have a new teacher orientation class. So if you're interested in being a helper or a Sunday school teacher, then uh, next week we have two more classes and you could jump in there and find out a little bit what's required of a Sunday school helper and teacher. How many of you have been helped? You don't have to raise your hand, but you've been helped by Sunday school. And I'm, I'm a firm believer in teaching children early and teens and young people and adults alike. And so that's what that class is designed to do, just to help people uh, see what, it, what does it take to be a Sunday school teacher, a Sunday school helper. And uh, so if you're interested in that, then that, that would be a wonderful opportunity. It meets on the third floor. Okay, so we're in Matthew and chapter number 13 today in our series. We've just been going through the Gospel of Matthew, those of you that are guests here. Uh, and we're to verse number 24. That's where we're going to pick up our reading today. Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 24. It's an honor to preach the Word. I appreciate the choir singing a moment ago. And that's our intent and our desire is just to preach what God has said. I don't want to add anything into it. I just want to say what it says because it's sufficient. And so the Lord is teaching here. Uh, Jesus is teaching and it says in verse number 24, another parable, another parable. Put he forth unto them. So this would be a mixture of the disciples as well as uh, the crowd that was there on that shore listening to him teach from the boat. And so he's speaking to all and he says, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. You can see right there, the enemy doesn't care about the field. He's not going to tend to it. He just caused disruption, sabotage, confusion. All right. Verse 26. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth, what's the next word? Fruit. Then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. 
an enemy hath done this. Let's see, I lost my place. <laughs> 28, yeah, there we go. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, or no, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them and gather the wheat into my barn. Then he goes on and speaks another parable. We're going to come back to that in another week. Verse 31, uh, verse 33, he speaks another parable. That, the previous one was about the fig tree. This one is about the, uh, the, I'm sorry, the mustard seed. And then verse 33 is about leaven. We'll come to that in coming weeks. Let's drop down because this is really helpful. Uh, in verse 37, Jesus gives the interpretation about the wheat and the tares. I'm sure glad when he does that. Just explains it. That way I don't have to read it. Verse 37. <clears throat> and he said unto them. So I'm, I'm sorry, verse Verse 36, I, I got ahead of myself. Look at verse 36. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house and his disciples came unto him saying, declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. So you can tell right there they didn't get it, right? Okay. And he answered and said unto them, verse 37, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field please notice this very carefully, is the world. Okay. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy, everybody following along with this? The enemy that sowed them is the devil, none other than the devil, the harvest is the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares, and I mentioned this earlier, but tares, we would pretty easily recognize them just as weeds. Okay, tares, weeds. The tares are gathered and burned in the fire. So shall it be in the end of this world. Verse 41, the son of man, shall send forth his angels and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend or that cause to sin and them which do iniquity and cast them into the furnace of fire and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Let me ask you this. Did Jesus teach a literal hell? According to this verse, he did. Where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. And I realize that hell and fire and brimstone type preaching is not popular today, but it's still in the Bible. And we, might, we can only say what the Bible says. So verse 43, then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their, oh, I love this, of their father. There's an intimacy there. There's a relationship there. And then he asked this question, which we came across last week as well. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, let's all pay very good attention to this. He that hath ears to hear, 
let him hear. All right, now I'll be, I'll be straight up honest with you. This is not an easy passage. Even with Jesus' explanation, it's not an easy passage. But, but in other ways, it's very clear. It's very clear. And I, I'm going to pray again and just ask, that God would just help us to settle in and pay good attention right here because uh, such a great need for us to give good heed to what Jesus is saying. And so, Father, I come to you now and I'm thankful that you gave us this parable. It's for us to understand. I would anticipate there'd be some here that are not yet believers. And I know that you would want them to be. And I pray, God, that you'd help, Lord, and even with distractions that you would just work through all that and help us, Lord, to know how to go about things in a good way. Help us, Lord, to uh, have the word open here to us and to give uh, good attention to what Jesus is saying to his disciples and what he's saying even today. We know, God, that uh, the enemy is still actively at work, given what Jesus said here in our world today, causing confusion and distractions and strife. And uh, so, God, we sure want to try to allow you just to teach us here today and help us to understand what your word is saying. I pray, dear God, that you would help uh, this individual even right now that's uh, causing a disruption. I pray that you'd help even him, and I pray that you'd help even every one of us even right now. Uh, given your good word, Lord, we ought to give good, good attention to it and be just uh, respectful of the word taught and preached today. And so we pray for that, dear God. Um, Lord, thank you for the song service. Thank you for the songs we heard just a moment ago and how that you helped us through them. And we pray now that you'd help us, help in the study and the presentation of the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How about we just keep get right into it today, if you'd give attention. Oh, we got some distraction going on. It'd be all right with the Lord's help here. And so we'll move right ahead in, in our text. You know, sometimes it's hard to tell a difference between what's real and what's an imitation. You notice that? <laughs> what's real and what's an imitation. So uh, my dad had what he thought was a Rolex. <laughs> it was not a Rolex. You might call it a Folex. <laughs> Fake Rolex. I understand. Uh, I don't have one personally, uh, but a Rolex, the hand, the second hand on it just goes smooth around, all continuous motion. Um, I'd show you, but it's not happening today. But dad's Folex, it didn't go smoothly, but it ticked. So that was the only way you could tell whether that was a Rolex or a Folex. So you want to buy a watch? I've got it, but it's, it's not working. <laughs> But Ted preaches a whole message on Oreos and knockoff Oreos, not the real thing. I mean, that is a very, very important subject for all of us to have the real thing in Oreos. You got, um, you know, fake shoes, fake clothes. I'm, I'm saying fake. I, you, you get what I'm saying in terms of brands and knockoff brands. I, I mean, I remember, and this is no slight on my parents. I'm thankful for everything that was given to me, but I was vain as a teenager. I'm admitting it. You know, I'm admitting it. And so, you know, instead of having the, the, the guy, you know, with the polo, the brand polo, you know, with the polo stick and everything, I had a shirt that had a guy with a flag. 
you know. I'm not sure what brand that was, but it, it you know, from a distance, you know, it got to look like polo, but it wasn't. Again, no slight on my parents. My mom was going to watch this and she's going to feel bad about it. I'm thankful, mom, for, anyways, it just wasn't a polo. Boy, I remember back, I don't know, late 80s, maybe 90s, you know, the, uh, the, the purses, Dunian Bork, I think it was, please forgive me if I'm not saying that right, but but, you know, they had the real purses and then there's a bunch of knockoffs that look, look like them, but it wasn't. You could, they were just imitation. So we got also this real gold and then fake gold or real diamonds and fake diamonds. I mean, it, I mean it, there's a lot to navigate in this world, given what's fake and what's an imitation. Even just yesterday, and I'm not saying that, you know, some of these things don't have a place. I, I, I get it. I mean, we, we got to save money, right? But, um, you know, you got wheat thins and then you got thin wheats. <laughs> All right. So enough of that, I guess. Right. But I mean, it's one thing. It's one thing when you're dealing with a particular product, you know, a, a, a watch or a ring or a diamond or whatever. It's one thing when you're dealing with a product. It's an entirely different thing when the consideration is people, when it's people. Products, products have value. A Rolex has value, but it does not have eternal value. You today, everyone here, has eternal value because God created you. Well, that gives you value intrinsically. I mean, just because God created you, but also he created you different than any other thing that he created. I mean, you have the beast of the field, you have the fowl of the air, you have the fish of the sea, but none of them, regardless of what a movie may say, none of them have a soul. But you today, friend, are a soul that has a body. You're not a body that has a soul. It's really the other way around. It's a, your soul that, that will live eternally either in heaven or in hell. You don't have to wait until after your life is over to find out where you're going to spend all of eternity. The Bible tells us that you can know today. You can know ahead of time. John wrote, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that you have eternal life. He that hath the Son, he that hath the Son of God, hath life. He that hath not the Son of God, hath not life. That's as, as plain and simple as Scripture makes it. Either you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, or you have not received Him as your Savior. And I hope to make that very, very plain and clear today so that everyone here can understand it. By the way, I'm so glad that it's so simple and easy to understand that even a child can understand it. And I believe that there's an age appropriateness and, and just an understanding. We, we certainly need to be careful with children because the last thing that we'd want to do either as a church family or in our families is to lead somebody to believe they're saved when they're not. You know, we want to be very careful. And given passages like this, it underscores even as to why. This parable, 
by the way, a parable means a teaching. It's, it's made up of two words, cast alongside of. So Jesus takes something they would understand, an earthly truth or example, an analogy, an illustration, and he casts alongside of a spiritual truth. Just like what I was trying to do with the Rolex, Folex, wheat thins, thin wheats, etc. That's something that we know and understand. And I want to cast it alongside of something that, may be, that might be a little bit unclear. Okay, And so it is a parable. It's an analogy. And it's an extended analogy. By the way, we've got to be careful with the parables. Uh, sometimes people read too much into parables. Generally, there's one main truth that the Lord gets across in a parable. One main truth. There may be several parts to it like we are seeing here today. There may be many parts to a particular parable. But we've got to be careful lest we read too much into it. This parable is demonstrating many things. Jesus is teaching, and so regardless of what the world thinks about it or others think about it, there is a real enemy who is a person, namely the devil. The devil is not some cartoon character that a man has made up to scare little kids. No, friend, listen. Satan's a real enemy of God. It's an enemy, enemy of your soul. And so Jesus teaches the activity of Satan. He also teaches that he, as the Son of Man, is very active in the world. He teaches in this parable, and I'm going to take a little bit of time to build up to it. And I'm going to do my best to try to be very clear and methodical and just leave, pick up where we left off and, and, and make sure that we're all clear here as, most, as we most possibly can. But the main thing that we need to see here is that there are true believers in the world. And then there's imitation. There's wheat and there's tares. My intent this morning is not to try to shake somebody up. I, it's not my intent. It's not my desire. I, I, I trust that God through his word can get somebody's attention. If, if there's someone here that's not truly a believer, I, I, I know God can do that. I, I'm not going to try to use emotionalism to try to uh, fabricate something. No, I, I just trust God in his word to, to do what needs to be done in a person's heart. But I do know this from Scripture, that Satan, the enemy of God, is truly an imitator. I mean, you read it throughout Scripture, he's always imitating. Confusion exists in our world today. I, uh, I have my Bible marked. I didn't ask you to mark it, but, but in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Bible says, but if our gospel, the gospel is the good news that Jesus died for every man and every woman, every boy, every girl. He died for every sinner, including you. Okay, that's the gospel, the good news. He died, but also this good news, he rose again. <laughs> and he's able to save anybody who would call on him for salvation. That's the gospel. Paul said to the Corinthians, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God, little g, uh, God, the true and living God is, is capitalized. Here it's a small case, uh, letter G, indicating a distinction. The God of this world, Satan, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not 
lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And then he goes on, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord. And so Paul says, listen, if our gospel is hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds. And so you say, why? Why are there so many religions in the world? Why are there so many denominations? By the way, as Baptists, we're not a denomination. Uh, we're not Protestant. We go, we go back all the way to the Lord Jesus Christ and his founding of the church. You say, I suspected you might have said something like that. Um, we weren't protesting the Catholic Church because we never were a part of it. Why are there so many religions? Why is this so confusing? You know, as someone who grew up in the sound of the gospel, hearing it all my life, my heart goes out to people that really want to know the truth. I would imagine some, somewhere in Oklahoma City today, somebody went to what was maybe labeled as a church and, and, and they, they really wanted to hear the truth, but there they see a lot of chaos. They hear a lot of confusion. They maybe see people rolling around on the ground or they see, hear people uh, just uttering foolishness and, and, and just chaos that's there. Or they, on the other extreme of that, they see people going through a bunch of rituals and, 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 and having incense and, and just a lot of, a lot of, a lot of confusion. They, they didn't get anything out of the message. I mean, maybe even the message was in Latin or it, or is in, in another language and they couldn't understand it. And, and here's that individual maybe really wanting to know what the truth is. And yet there's all these counterfeits. How do you know if, how do you know if what you've believed is a counterfeit or not? I think that's a valid question, isn't it? I, I believe it's something that everyone here needs to know for sure, that, that what you believe is certainly the gospel truth. You know, don't, hey, let me just say this. Maybe there's somebody here today and you say, you know, I'm giving, I'm giving, um, I'm giving God one more chance. I'm giving church one more chance. I'm giving Christianity one more chance. I don't know how maybe you would term it, but you say, you know, it's so confusing. I, I just, I don't care anymore. Well, you know, as we were driving, we had a little uh, spring, spring break trip as a family, a little vacation time away this past week. And, and we drove uh, through Tulsa and they've got some construction going on there. They always have some construction going on there, much like Oklahoma City, I guess, in certain parts, you know, bridges being repaired. And I mean, just confusion. But I, I mean, going I-44, I didn't say, you know, this is so confusing. I'm going back home. <laughs> no, we knew what our destination was. And we had to work our way through the confusion for the sake of our destination. What I'm asking you today is, would you lend an ear here? If you got an ear to hear, would you just hear what Jesus said? And what he's going to do is he's going to make it very plain to every one of us that, yes, there's a lot of confusion in the world, but God's not the author of it. He's not the author of confusion. And we're going to identify as to who is the author of confusion. I know I quote him quite often, but I, 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 it just really helps me to, to read some quotes and it's, it's helpful just to learn. And Warren Wiersbe said this, Satan is primarily an imitator. He plants false Christians. He encourages a false growth. He introduces false doctrine. 
Satan cannot uproot, listen to this, it's good. He cannot uproot the plants, the true Christians. He can't uproot them. You're planted. You're rooted in Christ. He cannot uproot the plants, so he plants counterfeits. Counterfeit Christians in their midst. Wherever Christ sows a true Christian, Satan comes and sows a counterfeit. He says we must be aware of Satan's counterfeits. He has counterfeit Christians, counterfeit gospel, counterfeit righteousness. Romans 10, verse 3, they being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness which is of God. Counterfeit righteousness. And in the end times, there will come an antichrist, a counterfeit Christ. Anti means against, of course. It means against, but it can also mean this, instead of. So like antifreeze means instead of freezing up, you've got something to help there. Instead of. So here it is, an antichrist. Instead of Christ, a false Messiah. A false Christ. Instead of. Okay, I'm going to give it to you up front. And then we're going to dive into it as to what this parable is teaching. For the sake of clarity, I'm, I'm just going to put it out here, then we're going to back up and we're going to go through it. And I'm going to get you to lunch too. <laughs> this parable that Jesus is teaching, it teaches this. It teaches that where the Lord plants a true believer, Satan plants a counterfeit. Let me, let me say it again. This wheat and the tares teaches that Satan tries to supplant the Lord's work by planting counterfeits. A creative way of saying it came to my mind. Where the Lord plants, Satan supplants. Where the Lord plants, Satan supplants. He tries to make it. Confusing, And isn't it true that he is the supplanter? He is a supplanter. The word supplant means to take the place of. He tries to create some sabotage. He tries to create some confusion. The Lord has been teaching here, and, and really it's coming down to this. Your response matters. What you believe matters. Uh, they were hearing what Jesus was saying, but not all were receiving it. There was indeed a varied response. There was a response that um, some rejected the message. Some said, you know, I'll hear this again. But there were those that believed. They heard the truth. The last parable that he taught was about the parable of the sower and the seed. And in that particular parable, the sower went out to sow the seed and the seed was the word of God. And some fell on hard ground, some fell among the thorns, and some, uh, some fell on stony ground, and, but some fell on good ground. In that particular parable, the seed was the Word of God. The soil represented the hearts of men. In this parable, the scene changes. So now you have two sowers. You have a sower that goes out and he sows his field. 
And as he sows his field, he's sowing good seed. He's, see, he's seeding wheat. He's, we know something about wheat here in Oklahoma. You drive past the field today and it's really green. You're looking at some winter wheat. And, and so you got wheat that is sown out there. And so he goes and he sows the good seed. While he's asleep, his enemy comes and he sows some bad seed, some tares, some weeds. If you, if you look it up and you do some research on it, you'll see words like darnel. How many of you heard of darnel? Okay, maybe you've heard that term. I, see, I saw a few hands going up. Well, here's the deal, deal about darnel or tares as in our text. In its very beginning stages, it looks exactly like wheat. The blades, I mean, as they're coming up, uh, you can look it up later. I thought, well, I could bring the screen down. We could put it up there. But you, you get the idea. They look alike. Looks like grass coming up, you know, blades shooting up. And listen, you can't tell the difference until it's harvest time. Because when it's harvest time, what happens is that wheat obviously heads out. It has, you know, the head of wheat. In fact, in fact, it gets so full that it bends over. Have you seen that? When it's, especially when it's golden and, and that wheat is ready for sure to be harvested, then it, it bows over. It's so heavy that the, the weight of it's causing it to bow down. Watch this. The tares grow straight up. They have some seeds, but actually it's poisonous seeds. I wouldn't advise eating it, making a sandwich out of it. It's not going to be as good as a good old fashioned wheat sandwich, that's for sure. But initially they look the same. One is truly wheat. The other just looks like wheat. So he did that intentionally. The enemy went out into the field and he tried to sabotage while, while the owner slept. He did his evil work trying to mess up the crop that was there in the field. And, and then he went away. The workers came and the workers saw that there was weeds growing up among the wheat. And they went to the landowner and they said to him, there, and in, there, I'm sorry, they said, there is weeds growing up among the wheat. And so he identifies an enemy has done this. And they say, shall we pluck it up? He says, no, they're two interwoven together. Let the harvest come. And when, when the reapers come, then they'll be harvested and it'll be separated what was tares and what was wheat. Jesus went from that parable on into the next parable about the mustard seed and then the parable about the leaven. And then he dismissed the crowd. No doubt it was lunchtime. And as he dismissed the crowd and his disciples, they went back into the house together and the disciples said, Lord, could you explain that? I'm sure every one of us here that have read their Bible any length of time, you've come across some things and said, you know, I'd like to ask, what does that mean? Well, they asked, what does that mean? And he said this. He said, uh, he that sows the good seed, you can read it again in the verses 36 and following. He that sows the good seed is the son of man. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the owner of the field. The one that sows the tares, the weeds, that is the enemy of God. That is Satan that tries to counteract, that tries to sabotage, that, that tries to create the confusion in the world by sowing what looks like, it's kind of close, it looks like wheat, but really it's darnel, it's really tares, it's really weeds. 
And so then the reapers say, well, shall we separate it out? I mean, I'm, I'm imagining that James and John were saying, yeah, let, let's, let's get this rooted out here. But I like what one man said. God did not call us to be detectives. He called us to be planters, evangelists, to do the good work of sowing the seed. And the two would grow together. I want to I want to point your attention to the verse number thirty eight again, if you would please, and notice this carefully. The field is what the world. Now he's not saying the field is the church. Although, watch this. I'm going to be real careful right here. What's going on out in the world can also take place in the churches. The wheat and the tares growing together. But the, the Lord Jesus said this, the field is the world. It's the, it's the world at large. And there are in the world today, and I believe that you would agree, in the world today, there are the presence of both true believers and fake believers, imitators. It kind of looks close. I use a lot of the same terms, perhaps. They look somewhat the same, but they're, they're not the same. And how do you know the difference? How can you tell the difference? The Lord said in the harvest, the distinction will be made clearly as the wheat is gathered into my barn and the righteous shall show forth forever and ever with their father, but the wheat will be gathered up and cast into the fire and burn forever and ever. There'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. So it's obvious here from the reading that Jesus is not indicating that it would be an annihilation, but that it's an eternal separation from God. So I would say that this is very important that we're able to distinguish between what is true and what is not true. What is biblical Christianity and what is not biblical Christianity? What, in other words, what, what I'm trying to get at here is simply this. What, what has Jesus sown and, and what has Satan sown? Because at the end of the day, at the judgment, there's only the two. On our vacation, we went to uh, the Museum of the Titanic. Many of you maybe have been there to the Titanic. You go through, they issue you a card as you come in. And I was a gentleman from Uruguay and, and uh, 40 some years old. And I'm going to go through and you're going to find out at the end whether you survived in the Titanic or not. I didn't make it. <laughs> the man I re represented did not make it. Uh, the boys got, you know, ones that were youth and Angie got a lady and it was women and children first on the Titanic. But as we went through and if you've been there, then you've noticed this, that there's first class and second class and third class passengers. And I'm telling you that first class section was ornate. I mean, just amazing. And even actually the second class was doing pretty good and the third class as well. But at the end, when it all was said and done, there was actually only two classes, the saved and the lost, those that were rescued and those that perished. And today, regardless of what classification you fit in today, according to society, whether first class, second class or third class, the truth is this, friend, listen, at the end of time, there's only two classes, the saved and the lost, the saved and the lost. And I, and I want to preach it today so that you can know that how to be saved so that if you are lost, you can be saved. You can be rescued.
Jesus said um, they're going to grow together. But he's not saying you can't tell the difference between the two. Because the trained eye can. Especially as they mature and you begin to see fruit. When you see fruit, then you know that's real. When you see just straight up and, and no, no fruit, no head of wheat to it, then that's not wheat, that's, that's weeds. I watched some videos of it of, of farmers going out there and pointing out. Now here's wheat and he's showing the head of wheat and here's the weeds that are mixed in with it. Actually, by that point, it was very clear as to which was true wheat and what was only weeds. And so what is the fruit of the Spirit? Well, love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and meekness and temperance and faith. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Notice, notice Paul didn't say this. The fruit of the Spirit is teaching and singing and preaching. Because you could do a lot of good works and yet not be a believer. Again, I'm not trying to alarm anyone and, and such, but I am trying to say this. Listen, you need to make sure today that you have believed the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul made that plain that, that if any man comes to you or even an angel comes to you and preaches any other gospel than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, then let him be accursed because there's only one Lord. There's only one gospel, and that's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is salvation by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. Not good works. There's a lot of religions out there that'll tell you, if you'll do this, if you'll do these things, if you'll stop doing this, if you'll stop doing that, if you'll start doing this, if you'll attend this, if you'll be, go through this process, if you'll, if you'll try really hard, I'm telling you, it's all not true. Satan has a lot of imitators. There's a lot of confusion out there. There's a lot of confusion in the world today. There's a lot of confusion in the field, the whole world. I mean, there's so much confusion in, in Africa and in Asia and Europe, but there's also confusion in the United States of America. Wheat and the tares. How do, how do you know? Well, you can trace it back to its origin. And you can see that Jesus is the one who plants the good seed. The good seed, are, by the way, is the children. In this, in this parable, the analogy changes. It's, not, it's no longer the seed is the word. But watch this. The seed from the Son of Man are the true believers, the children of the kingdom. The ones who have received the word become, they have life within themselves. They are true seed. They're from the son of man. So you could trace it back. So today, everyone here needs to make sure, have I believed what Jesus said about salvation? Does the gospel that you trusted, can you trace it all the way back to what Jesus said? What, well, what did he say? Well, he made it very clear, just like Paul did and others that came after Jesus, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and that there's none righteous, no, not one, but that God committed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus made it very plain to a very religious man and yet he had believed in imitation, a man named Nicodemus. And he said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again. 
You must be born again, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus said, how can I enter into my mother's womb and be born a second time? But Jesus said, listen, you've already been born physically, but regardless of your religion and, your, and all of your ritual and all of your learning even of the law and all that you've done, Nicodemus, you must be born into God's family. And that could only take place by faith. He came, the Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse number 11, he came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Those that believe on him, that trust him. And I'm not just talking about a, a head knowledge. Yes, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. Yes, I believe he died on the cross. Yes, I believe that he was buried. But it goes, it goes from knowing that to truly trusting him in what he did for salvation. There's a difference there. I could go down to the Will Rogers airport and say, yes, I believe that plane can fly to Dallas, to DFW, but I'm not really truly believing that plane can do that until I get on it. It's when I get on it. That's when I'm putting real faith into it. Have you believed? Just yesterday in this auditorium, we conducted the funeral service. His brother, George, is here today. I'm sure glad the Statons are here. But his brother, Brother Gene Staton, Went to Bible college for four years as a young man. But it wasn't until he was 50 years old that he understood there's a difference between a head knowledge and a heart knowledge. He knew a lot of, a lot of teachings from the Bible. He would went through and did a lot of things. But there was a time in his life when he realized, I've never personally trusted him as my Savior. And at age 50, he trusted him. I'm telling you, we had a totally different funeral service yesterday because he recognized he was a sinner. There's nothing he could do to save himself except just trust what Jesus did on the cross. His death, burial, and resurrection. And the Bible says this, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you called upon the name of the Lord? Have you asked him to be your savior? If you have, you have no reason to doubt your salvation because you're taking God at his word. But if you say, well, I got baptized as an infant or I'm a member of such and such church. I got baptized as an adult for that matter. A, a baptism doesn't save you. Water can't wash away your sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can wash away your sin. Look, preacher, if you compare me to somebody else, I'm not, I'm not as wicked as they are, okay? If we're going to do the comparison thing, let's go the other way. How, do you, how does your righteousness match up with Jesus? I'd rather go, you say, I'd rather go the other way. Um, well, to go to heaven, you have to be as righteous as he is, which means that you must be born again, which means that his righteousness has to be given to you. You could never earn it. But if you hear the gospel today, which is what you're hearing, if you hear the gospel today and you say, you know, that's right. That's, that's what the Bible says. I see it right here in my Bible that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm asking you today to... Analyze and look at your life to see, has there been a time and a place where you personally trusted him to be your savior? You should be able to go back to a time and a place. You may not may be able to remember the specific date, 
But you ought to remember the time. Those of you that are married, do you remember when you got married? I trust that you do. You may not remember all the details. It's been a long time ago. You may not remember all the details about that, but you remember the day, you remember the place, you remember the time. Hey, listen, God doesn't play games and he doesn't make this complicated. He confronts you about your need for salvation. The Holy Spirit of God, Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will reprove or he will convict the world of sin because we're all sinners, of righteousness because we have no righteousness. And he will convict you or convince you that there's a judgment coming. The Holy Spirit of God, even right now, may be working in, in someone's heart that is here today, saying to you in your heart, using His Word, this is the sword of the Spirit, saying to you, you need to be born again. You need to be saved. You need to, you need to trust Christ as your Savior. God has no grandchildren. He only has children. You can't be saved or born again because your parents were. You must personally put faith in Jesus Christ. I thank God for my mom that kept me in church and she's a godly lady, but I can't go to heaven based on her righteousness. I can only go, and she couldn't go to heaven on her own righteousness. She had to be saved by the righteousness of Jesus Christ and thank God that she was and is. And I thank God for the day as an eight-year-old boy that I heard the message that I heard so many times. But that day it was different. That day I understood I was a sinner and there was nothing I could do to save myself. And I remember praying right there in my chair, God, would you save me and put me on the right road? And unseen to the human eye, I was born into God's family, forever God's family. And so can you. If today you're not 100% sure, God, God in his grace and his mercy wants you to know, know it with that type of certainty because it's a matter of heaven and hell. This is such a huge matter. And you need to be able to trace your faith back to the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. And it is the son of man, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is telling you, if you're not saved right now, that you need to be saved. Or if you've trusted him as your savior, he has told you his word and you've trusted him and you can rest in his salvation. But unfortunately, there are many today that are believing Satan's counterfeits and thinking their good works are going to be enough or their heritage, or their tradition, or where they were born. There's a lot of counterfeits. Where God plants, Satan supplants. What God makes clear, Satan tries to confuse. But I want to thank God today that the Lord loves us so much that He made this gospel message so clear and it's not a matter of your works but it's on grace you understand what grace is grace means you couldn't earn it it's a gift yes the bible says the wages of sin is death it's separation from god but the gift of god is eternal life the gift of God, the grace, the gift, a gracious gift is given. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Do you know him today? Are you settled on your salvation? Do you know for sure that if, if you died today, that you'd go to heaven? If not, I, I want to invite you. In fact, I urge you today here in just a few moments, just to, to come and, and, and we have rooms that are here that are just set up to where you can sit down and somebody can go over these scriptures again with you. 
where you can know for sure that you've been born into God's family. And you can rest in it. Those of you that are believers today, what should we do? Do we need to go around and try to root out all the weeds? Well, we, we've got enough to deal with just within our own family, within our own church family, to make sure that what we're believing is right on scripturally. But what we need to do is just stay busy about the work that He's given us to do, and that's taking the gospel everywhere to every person. And let God do the increase. We may plant, we may water, but it's God that gives the increase. I'm thankful He does that. It makes the message plain and clear to someone so that they have the opportunity to believe. Only two classes of people, the saved and the lost. In which are you today? Let's stand together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. How many of you today could say, just with, in the privacy of this moment, how many of you could say, I know for sure, based on what God said, not based on what man said or what man thinks, but on, on what God says. How many of you could say today with an uplifting hand, I know for sure, that I'm saved. I've trusted Him as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you. You may put your hands down. I appreciate that. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that somewhere in your life, somebody shared the gospel with you and you trusted Him as your personal Lord and Savior. But I wonder today if there's someone here that would raise their hand and say, I don't know that for sure. I'm not going to embarrass you or ask anybody to come to you, but just you acknowledging it. I remember when the teacher asked that, and I raised my hand, acknowledging that I was a sinner and that I needed to be saved. I've never regretted acknowledging that. It was God's good, merciful grace coming to me at that stage of my life and showing me my greatest need, and that was to be saved, to trust Him as my Savior. Is anyone here today, would you raise your hand? If I die today, I don't know for sure. Just raise it up high so where I can see it. If I'm looking up in the balcony, anybody? Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. God bless you. Yes, yes, sir. God bless you. I appreciate the, your honesty. Here in just a moment, we're going to have an invitation where you could get that settled. Anybody else while I'm looking around? Anybody else I'm looking now on the ground floor? Anybody, if I die today, I don't know for sure. But you said today, based on God's word, that you can know for sure. Is anyone else while I wait just a moment? Do you know for sure? Is what you believe the gospel are you trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? If not, would you just acknowledge that here today? Anybody else while I wait just a moment? Heavenly Father, I thank you today for the one that raised their hand. I pray that you'd help uh, them and others to respond today. If, Lord, you're speaking to their hearts, I pray that you'd help them to understand this. And Lord, while, while we're praying, I, I do just wanna pray for the many in the world today that are confused. Satan has planted many counterfeits. And God, I, I thank you that you've given us your word and that it's reliable, trustworthy. I thank you that faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word. And today I pray for those that need to trust you as Savior, that they would soon. There may be someone even watching by live stream right now that needs to call on you for salvation. I pray that they would get the matter settled. And God, even as Satan is trying to supplant your work by planting counterfeits and 
causing such confusion. I know that you're greater than he, and I'm glad that your word is greater, and I know that you, through the light of the glorious gospel, can shine forth, and I thank you that you've done that in the lives of so many, and that you're still doing that even to this day. And I pray that you bless our invitation. Help those that need to respond to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Page 241, we're singing, Jesus paid it all.